Which one are we doing first? We're doing blue right now. Okay, so these dudes. <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. Hello, and welcome to the February 2019 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C., which is always featured at the top of the page. Hi, I'm Annie, and in today's book, we're going to talk about Let's Talk About Love. I think character i'm probably like the library kind of like frenemy character okay the one who like hassles the people but is like kind of a jerk but also just like in really interested in their lives yes <laughs> um i'm brit and i'm alice in this book i feel like i could relate to a lot of what she was going through why is this thing happening on the screen sorry oh. like nothing's moving so i was just wondering no it is oh it is okay sorry it's slowly it probably might be Oh, I see what's going on. Okay. Okay, cool. My bad. Double checking. <laughs> we don't want to do that again. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, this is Book Plate. We always talk about the book like a meal. And we started off with our amuse-bouche. It's summer break and undergrad food-loving, fun-loving Alice is dealing with a breakup, a summer job, and parents who just don't get that she doesn't want to go to law school. A book by Claire Kahn. Um, and I didn't include in my amuse-bouche the fact that she's asexual because I think the point of the introduction of the book is that you don't need to know that, right? Mm -hmm. And also, like, it, that shouldn't be the only point of this book. It kind of is. It kind <laughs> of is, but... It's an issue book, but, you know, we have to start somewhere. Right. Uh, so we always do a other cover take. We ask our significant others what they thought. I asked Jamile, and he said, female dating empowerment, looking for love. Maybe she finds someone, maybe she finds multiple people. Like, she's got to have it. Okay. So, um, I, Garrett, Garrett's cover take was, he goes, she looks really happy. So clearly she just got laid and I just about died because <laughs> I was like, it's literally the opposite. <laughs> She's asexual. And he was like, oh yeah, no, I missed that one. So <laughs> just That's funny. That, that that was his first thought. Like <laughs> I had a good laugh about that. So yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, our appetizer for today is popcorn and Diet Pepsi. Mm -hmm. uh, Alice actually eats a lot of food in this book, <laughs> um, so I did not have to like search through and find things uh, uh, to pull <laughs> out. It was easy to find. Um, I put down for the appetizer a new YA trope, which I have identified. Uh, mm. For those of you who've been listening, one of my favorite things to do is call out YA tropes and in my fantasy world, I have like an L word type intersectional map where all the fantasy <laughs> tropes of yes. all the, not fantasy all the different YA tropes are like mapped and we can yeah. see them in the books oh um, someone like should create that and put it on a poster it's so bad that I would, would love an interactive one where you like click and you go to the next <coughs> and you go to the next Mandy C graphics goddess <laughs> <laughs> do it for us <laughs> um, but the YA trope I've identified is messy first love same-sex relationship with roommate. Mm -hmm. And so if you read Little and Lion, mm -hmm. that's our other one where it's the boarding school roommate, and in this one, it's the dorm roommate. Yeah. Um, at least this one didn't end 
quite so terribly, but <laughs> it's interesting. I just was I was reading back up because it's been so while, a while since I read this book also. And I was looking at a summary mm-hmm. of the novel. And in the summary, it said that the girlfriend breaks up with Alice when Alice confesses she's asexual. Okay, maybe it did end. And terribly. I don't think that's what happened. I thought that the girlfriend broke up with Alice because she Alice wouldn't have sex with her. Um, Which is not so different, but like... Yeah, but it's more about... It was more about the girlfriend being being like disappointed or not happy with the relationship. And I thought at that point, Alice still was not out. I thought she'd not come out and like fully named that she was asexual, even to her girlfriend. I have it on my Kindle here. I'm going to try to find it. But um, she it's at the very beginning. Yeah, she was a giver in the sexual relationship like to make her girlfriend happy but she didn't want it in return and I remember the girlfriend like wanted to do stuff to her and she was like "Mm, I'm good the Um, girlfriend basically says like because you're not physically attracted to me you can never love me as much as I love you hmm okay if I can find it but we can like yeah cool while I'm looking or something but I just want to bring up this trope again because in another lifetime when I you know, wrote books in my head or like came up with concepts for stories. This was also one that I wanted to do, except yeah. in the <laughs> one I wanted to do wasn't like the same sex. It was like, oh, these two kids. It was like a future one. It was like, oh, they're going to like Space Academy and they just accidentally happen to have a uh, room that's not same sex. But now not being someone on the binary scale years later, I'm like, oh, maybe I was like just like being queer and didn't know it. <laughs> Uh, I found it. You're right. It's literally on the first page. Um, everything was perfect before Alice unlocked her dorm room door. I want to break up, Margot said. Literally the first words of the book. And then blah, 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 blah. I know this seems kind of sudden. And then Alice asks why. And Margot says, because you won't have sex with me. Um, so, yeah. And then Alice is like, well, we had sex this morning. And Margot's like, well, that's not the kind of sex I want to have. Um, she says, yeah, when it's time to get serious, like you turn to a different person. I want like passionate sex and I can't reciprocate anything. So, yeah. And you never initiated. And yeah. And she, ha- yeah, she was not out because she said, you don't trust me enough to tell, to tell me why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is d- so not that it super matters. It's not my book and it's not like I'm not in control of the narrative, but when there's like incorrect summaries and yeah. stuff like that, I'm like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, you're right, because it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Because she doesn't say she's asexual. She just says, I don't really need sex. <laughs> I mean, maybe that it, that's uh. different than like naming it, you know? Yeah, no, I I take back what I said about this breakup not being as bad because I forgot this part. And Margot laughs when she says, I don't really think about sex or need sex, and she go, and she goes, but you're black. Oh yeah. <sighs> Oh God! Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> I just Margo's like not a great person. No, not. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this trope about like having the illicit relationship with your like dorm roommate earlier, like bunkmate or whatever. Yeah, I want to say historically, 
you know, there's this phrase, you don't shit where you eat. It's a really bad idea. It is. <laughs> I can speak from personal experience. Um, My college, my first college roommate, we ended up being in a relationship. But it was after we were roommates. So it wasn't as it was slightly bad different because she like moved to a different room second semester. And then we like got together. <laughs> but it was still terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> Right. It's like a it's like a relationship of proximity. You're with this person so much. Mm -hmm. You think you're in love with them because you have like a semi familial relationship with them. And but they're not family. Mm. Uh, I wonder now I want to see statistics of like how many queer people have their first <laughs> like relationship with the person they just happen to be. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't my first relationship, right. but but yeah, but it was messy. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah it was bad um yeah <laughs> oh man anyway i'm uh, like proud of myself for identifying another trope not that yeah, it matters no. but that's, that's definitely one <laughs> but i mean tropes come from somewhere right, right? it does happen so don't, don't do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you are a young adult or a young person <laughs> out there highly do not recommend <laughs> yeah zero ten do not recommend yeah um <laughs> yeah oh my god i just remember oh i just remembered mine i was like i didn't do that did i oh no i totally did <laughs> uh it story time guys. yeah story time okay so it was my um housemate so it wasn't in the dorm but it was my housemate mm -hmm. and I did like him and had a crush on him, but once we were living together, it just like escalated um, pretty quickly and it was toxic because he was in a long distance relationship and couldn't admit or say that, you know, they were monogamous, but she wasn't there and we weren't necessarily, we, we only were like fully cognizant of our intimacy like a couple times and as soon as we like had had sex once, I had cut it off because I was like, no, we can't, we can't do this. Mm -hmm. But like the lead up and the tension and that like back and forth, like, will we, won't we, won't we? I was totally anti, but also completely caught up with. Like, I really enjoyed that tease. And then once it spilled over into like actual physical intimacy, I was like, oh no, we need to stop this. Mm -hmm. This is, this is bad. And I actually do want to keep you as a friend and I don't want to be the other person. Yeah. The illicit other person. Like, I don't want that. So yeah also don't recommend that <laughs> i mean i'm not really down with monogamy it's not my thing but i mean i still want everyone to be upfront about what's happening yeah they should be upfront. like yeah my ex was cheating on me and i didn't know um and one of she was cheating on me with like a friend of a friend and the girl that she was cheating on me with had told our mutual friend um, Super messy. Two of our mutual friends <laughs> and one of them told me when he found out and I will forever be grateful to him. But the other mutual friend was like, oh, it's too bad. You guys like can't really be together and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh, hi, it's me, your other friend. Like and it was all a text like oh, AIM, God. whatever. So like <laughs> I had my my good mutual friend print it out for me and then I just like threw it at her along with the ring because mm. she had proposed to me after like three months i know <laughs> and i was like yeah no this isn't happening 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Messy. So much drama, Greg. So much drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want us to talk anything mm. anymore about that? Not really. Okay. I mean, there's more <laughs> drama, but it's. I'll save that for a rainy day. <laughs> uh, if we see this trope again, I'll tell the rest of the story. Yes, perfect. <laughs> All right. So uh. our main course today is Japanese mobu tofu. So part of like all the food in this book, and I just want to bring this up because I think I want to call out things that look like possible food shaming mm. um, when I see them because I think s- we're still kind of obsessed with like what especially feminine type bodies should and shouldn't be eating mm-hmm. um, and like shaming people for foods that they love and enjoy eating and uh, there's a little bit of that going on in this book when Alice uh, starts to crush on is it Takami? Yeah. Um, he totally shames her for her Takumi? like Takumi. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it's Takumi. He totally shames her for her food choices, and I'm just, like, not down with that. Yeah, I didn't think about that while I was reading it, but that's a good point. No, it's not Takumi. Wait, where is it? We'll figure it out. (laughs) But, yeah, anyway, so the Japanese mobu tofu he makes for her uh, for lunch, and he starts to, like, make her food a lot as, you know. It's not Takumi either. What? Am I in the right book? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm searching in the right book. All right. Um, Solve this mystery. Of course, I could just Google it, but I'm determined to like search in my Kindle and actually find it in the book. Love it. The reference materials. Yes. Um, but yeah, and like in my mind, making food for someone is an act of love, right? Like your family makes you food. The way that, that you eat with your family has a lot to do with your learned behavior of like how you eat food later, your comfort food, what makes you think, what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel um loved and comfortable and like food is a big deal for me and in my relationships it's a way that if I make you something it's like a way for me to show love um and vice versa there's a lot of you know there's a lot of community building with food and intentionality it is Takumi why didn't my search come up okay great um but yeah, so that was like clue number one for me that he liked her more than is it case sensitive? I'm sorry (laughs) That's weird. Okay. Whatever. It's Takumi. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But you know what I mean? That was like clue number one. I'm like, he clearly likes her more than a friend. Oh, yeah. If he's making her lunch every day. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weirdly overstepping. Right? Yeah. Like the brand new person I met at the job, I would not make lunch for every day. That's a lot of labor. Yeah. So I have a story that kind of relates i just got um a major haircut <laughs> which looks fabulous thank you um and so the stylist she was like cutting my hair before she washed it and as she was cutting it she's like oh man that patch of gray is just throwing me off because i've got like kind of like a gray patch here and i was just like huh, yeah whatever and then she was washing it and then she had me like sitting under the sink for a while so i thought she had put some kind of like leave-in conditioner on and she comes back like 15 minutes later and was like oh by the way i put something on there to cover up those grays because it was really bothering me Whoa. And I was like, okay. She didn't ask you? Nope. Nope. She just went ahead and did it. And it wasn't even out of like good intentions. Like, oh, most people want their grace covered up. Or, oh, I just assumed it was, it was bothering me. I'm like, you have to look at my hair for an hour. Like, I, that's my hair. <laughs> like, 
what the fuck? Whoa, that's really not okay. Okay, I'm glad because I, I was really upset about it and I thought like maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. Sometimes. No, it's a violation of your body autonomy. It's yeah. not fucking cool. Yeah. So it was more. Yeah. So I was. It didn't work. I mean, I can still see them and obviously they're going to grow back in droves, but that wasn't that's not the point. It's the like without asking me and because it was something you didn't want to look at for an hour. I don't like. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of Takumi being like, I don't like what you're eating. It's bothering me. So here. Right. <laughs> and it's different. It's not the same. Like, but you can't force her to eat it. I mean, she right. enjoys eating the food, you know? Yeah. But, but oh yeah. Oh, my God, Brit. <laughs> That's just total. I mean, this is like throwing me for a loop because dye is chemicals. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, you know, just within the past couple years have been like relaxer free and chemical free and then she's just like let me put some chemicals on your head without asking and, and not like asking if you're allergic or like mm-hmm. what kind of reaction you might have like i might have if, if someone did that to me i might like have a very severe reaction this is not okay okay yeah it wasn't oh man so oh, that just made me mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was really pissed off about it for a while I'm but sorry that happened yeah. I mean, the haircut looks great, but who cares? I mean, like, <laughs> you're the one who gets, it's your body. Yeah. You're the one, and you're paying for a service. You're not, Yeah. you know, like, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that aside. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the food thing isn't quite the same, but, like, the idea of, like, mm, I don't like what you're doing that doesn't affect me at all, so here. <laughs> like Right, and there's, weir- and I have to admit, there's weird food politics at work, mm-hmm. right? One of the classic tropes is that people complain about the smell of fish in the microwave. The people I always see complaining about that are white people. Mm-hmm. The people putting fish in the white in the microwave are not white people. Mm-hmm. So not only is that like just really not cool to fucking shame people for their food, it's also entirely racist <laughs> for you to decide like what type of food is or is not okay right. to be consumed in a workplace. Right. Like, you know. And I um I saw a tweet recently ish from um um from an asian guy who said something like oh like you know white people you know a few years ago would all complain or like make fun of you know the asian kids for bringing like the quote-unquote weird food but now like they want to you know gentrify like our restaurants and like do their own twist on it and like okay and yeah i I was like that's a good point yeah i saw one also (laughs) i love twitter (laughs) <laughs> I saw one that was like a kid who was who was talking about how they always ate like the family leftovers the next day and they mm-hmm. totally got shamed for it mm-hmm. when they had, you know, like really good food that their family, again, had made out of love for them. Mm-hmm. And the white kids would make fun of them. And the white kids, uh, the, uh, the comment was like, OK, just like eat your peanut butter and jelly, Sally. You know, like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly is like not an exciting food. Right. Yeah. And it's not actually, like, that nutritious <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, there's protein in peanut butter, but... But otherwise, you're like, <laughs> eating, like, sugar, and it's probably on white bread, you know? like that. <laughs> but that's our concept of, like, a good right. kid's lunch versus, like, this delicious meal that your family, like, probably put a lot of time and effort and resources into that you then, of course, get to eat the next day. Like, leftovers are a favorite thing of mine, you know? Yeah. Um, am I school <laughs> we talk about like don't yuck someone else's yum mm. um yeah do kids still do that of course i mean luckily i don't have to be on lunch duty in the cafeteria with them so not that i've seen but i'm wouldn't be surprised if it happens although like my school's pretty 
pretty diverse, so I would hope that there would be less of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I was just thinking about something, and now I can't remember. Okay. So other thing, so our main topic, though, oh yeah, besides <laughs> the food, is asexuality, which this book is absolutely about. Yes. Um. So, like, the central dilemma of the book is Alice's asexuality and how it affects her intimate relationships. Um, her first love, she wants to turn her friend into a love, and then she talks a lot about, in the beginning, you know, and, and um, with her dilemmas about this about how people define love as sex you know like Mm -hmm. Margot breaks up with her because they can't have the sex and that means that there's no love um and then just like I just I think that's a big concept we can unpack right yeah definitely and I like that the book explored all of that and also didn't come to a definite conclusion like I I was like, oh, how is it going to end with, like, her and Takumi? Are they going to have sex? Like, what's going to happen? And then it just doesn't tell you, which is, I like that. Um, Because it is messy, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ways to be intimate that aren't about sex. But our culture is very sex-obsessed. And I'm like, I identify as demisexual, which is under the ace umbrella or whatever. And... Like, I follow a lot of, like, ace people on Twitter, and, like, it's just, it's one of those things where you get shit from both sides, like, and, oh, you just haven't met the right person, or, oh, you just haven't had good sex, or, you know, X, Y, and Z, and there's a whole inner debate about whether um, ace people who are in heterosexual, or whatever, relationships are allowed to identify as LGBTQ and like it's a whole thing. Um, So yeah, I like that. Like there was no, this is the way ace people are or, you know, whatever it's different. And she was exploring a lot of different feelings and other things. Yeah. So let's just give a definition of asexuality and like demisexuality in case people don't know. Yeah. So demisexuality is, um, all right, so under the ace umbrella, there's, like, gray ace, which is sort of, like, ace or not ace, depending on certain situations, and then demisexuality falls under that. So it's um, not experiencing or developing a sexual attraction to someone until there's a strong emotional component, and, like, I've had to argue with turds on Twitter about that, too, who are like, uh, it's called having standards, or blah, 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 and I'm just like, no, <laughs> that's not it. Um And it's, I don't know, I went through, like, a lot of playing around with different labels that, like, never quite felt right. And then I read about demisexuality, and I was just like, holy shit, that's me. Because, like, every single relationship I've ever been in was with somebody who I was friends with first. And, like, I'm not the kind of person who could just, like, look across the room and be like, damn, I want to bone that person. Mm. (laughs) Like, never felt that. Um, So, yeah. And then, yeah, asexuality is just not experiencing sexual attraction. And a lot of the confusion around it is people conflating sexual attraction with sexual desire. Um, And so, like, people who are ace, like, can still have sex. Some have active sex lives for various reasons. Like, um, it doesn't mean they can't masturbate or watch porn or, like, feel, experience sexual desire. It's just that it's not attached 
to a person or a type of person. So that's as far as I understand it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like that might be hard for a lot of people to understand. Yeah, it's a big topic. <laughs> a lot of nuances. Um, I was looking, I was doing a little bit of research, I was looking up you know, a book list of books that have asexual characters in them. And then this one comes to the top in like yeah. most of these lists. And I was reading like some of the descriptors for some of the other ones. And a lot of them are like fantasy or sci-fi, which allows, you know, for like an imagination of a different world where mm-hmm. like these, we don't have to explain these things mm-hmm. to people. It's just like it is. And uh, one of them was talking about how like one of one book was talking about how the characters like don't know and it allows for space for people to like labels change Mm -hmm. and I think that's really important like you don't have like once you've decided like something works for you it doesn't have to work for you Mm -hmm. for the rest of your days until time and more immemorial you know yeah totally messed that word up but it doesn't have to go on your gravestone like (laughs) it's you're allowed to change as a person and like develop something different in yourself yeah i remember and you can cut this out if you like don't want this on the show um but i remember when um my student came out as non-binary and i was asking like you know what you would want your teacher to know um and you said that like um you said something like if their labels change then like they're allowed to change like don't it doesn't mean that they have to like identify this way forever or if they are like want to identify as whatever on this day then that's 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 fine (laughs) yeah yeah so that's a huge one I mean that's (coughs) just one I struggle with as being non-binary and as someone who's been trying to slowly get people to change pronouns yes it's really hard it (coughs) is really hard hard. oh my god (laughs) I mean I actually saw something I was looking again at Twitter the other day and I saw something that was like one of the main factors in young people feeling less depressed, young trans people feeling less depressed or like less suicidal is adults getting their name and pronouns correct. Yes. Like just that, which is not a small thing. It's a huge fucking thing. But people, the people who are not the trans person, the family, the school, the public, they act like it's such a big deal for them to just use a different pronoun. And it's not. It's not. <laughs> it is not at all. And it's, again, it's one of those things where, like, I don't like this. This is inconvenient for me. Right. So I'm going to, you know, do it how I feel comfortable or whatever. And that's, it's not about you. It's about, like, the other person respecting, like, this is, sorry, These I found your text. You said, definitely use whatever pronouns they want and not ask questions or call them on it if they switch back and forth. Right. Yeah. Because, um, like, my student, um, I'm I'm happy that they feel self confident enough to correct adults like and other oh, teachers when them. yeah when um they misgender them um but like you know I I had a meeting with their mom and the principal just to sort of work out how we can best support them and um and and there's actually like a a form um I forgot what it's called like um like a gender inclusivity but it covers a lot of topics like what if you're on a field trip at a museum and there's only boys bathrooms and mm. girls bathrooms like what you know let's work out a plan for what to do in that situation and um that's awesome Th- is that something your school developed or is that no it's from an organization that i 
think is called gender spectrum cool um yeah that's awesome that's so useful yeah it is because there's a lot of things you know you think oh okay it's the pronouns but there's a lot of stuff that you have to think about yeah one that I keep running it running into is I play kickball mm-hmm. and it's a um it's a not just a one sex league it's like men and women mm-hmm. but a lot of the rules about how many players you have to have on the field are specifically along gender binary so they're mm. like you have to have five women and five men if you don't you can only play four women and six men when you're short a woman and I'm just like what if you're not in the gender binary? Yeah, I, I get what they're trying to do there. Right, right. So that they can't have, like, one girl on the team and say, okay, we're good. Like, exactly. Yeah, we met our quota. But, yeah, it is exclusive to people who are not on the gender binary. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just it makes it even more difficult for me in that space to be like, actually, I use different pronouns, you know? like there's Yeah, not where do even, I fit? <laughs> right. There's, like, not even a conversation for that. Like, it's, yeah. It's so funny. I really want I want to figure out how to start thinking about that yeah um but i don't know um we get these flyers and stuff in our mailbox every now and then for like um kids like sporting teams or like weekend events or whatever that we are supposed to hand out to our kids and i got one that was like about a girl's softball team or something or soccer team or something like that and I like agonized over whether or not to give this to my student because I only got enough for like the girls Mm. in my class I was like if I had enough I would just give them to everybody and for the boys be like give it to your sister or whatever but I was just and of course it didn't occur to me to just tell the students if you're interested just take this Mm. (laughs) I was just like do I give it to them or not and so finally I just asked them I'm like do you want me to put this in your mailbox I don't want to like make you feel uncomfortable or misgendered but if you're interested blah 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 and they were like yeah, but if you get anything for boys teams, I want those too. And I was like, okay. Awesome. I love that like they are so self-assured and confident because I was not at that age. And I imagine that a lot of kids aren't. So like I'm, you know, doing my best to support them. But I'm I'm glad that they feel empowered enough to to advocate for themselves too. That's rad. Yeah. I've, I've actually been talking to a really good friend of mine who um, – is now coming out as more queer mm-hmm. and they were in a heterosexual relationship and now that that's over are like wait a minute i don't think i am cis mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i am more fluid and i and we were talking on the phone about this and i was like yeah remember how conservative our high school was remember there was like i don't remember there being a queer union if there was it was not something that was talked about or shared around there was only one out gay man well young man and he was constantly in a battle with everybody else Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. like so angry and like everyone was shitty to him and he was shitty to everyone and all of the people I know from my class all came out after Mm -hmm. they graduated you know and even we have like a trans woman in our class and we now have um a woman who has been a lesbian for a long time and is married with with a woman's partner and when we went back for our 10-year high school reunion she came up to me and was like i'm the only out person here so like it's not even talked about and and Mm -hmm. it's not like i grew up in a like backwater town it's just a suburb of seattle yeah that was not part of the conversation yeah it wasn't really when i was in high school um one of my friends started our first our school's first like gay straight alliance and you know i remember like being like one of the first signatures on her petition to start it and she she's a lesbian and like the principal at the time like did not approve 
and sort of made her jump through various hoops to get it started. But she found like a faculty who was willing to be our advisor and all this stuff. And like it was just kind of our little group of friends for a long time. And, you know, we um, the first time that we participated in the Day of Silence, um, a bunch of kids jumped on the bandwagon and were like, oh, cool. I get to get out of like participating in class for a day, you know, and just how far that it's that just I know a lot of times it seems like we're going backwards as a society especially with our current administration but then um last year the fifth graders the fourth and fifth graders at my school participated in the day of silence and I thought about talking to my third graders about it and I was like oh they're a little young or they might like goof around and be like oh sweet I don't have to talk in class like my classmates did when I was in high school and then a lot of them sort of like found out what was going on I wanted to say word of mouth but <laughs> I guess word of not mouth whatever they realized what was going on and like a bunch of them wanted to participate and we had a conversation about it and you know kids who wanted to do it could do it and the kids who didn't didn't have to and like I was just really impressed at how like they really understood what it was for and weren't using it to goof around or just be silly and they wanted to to do this in their own little like activist way and I was like damn I shouldn't have underestimated them That's so <laughs> um, cool. yeah and we have we have whiteboards that we use in math like individual whiteboards so kids would like write on their whiteboards and like still participate oh. that way and like it was great I was just I sent a message to all their parents and I told them I was like when I was in high school and my friend from the first GSA and we got all this pushback and people didn't take it seriously and I just I'm really proud of you guys and I told their parents the same thing and I was just like be proud of your awesome kids they're so woke <laughs> <laughs> did you sign it off that way kind of I was in a mushy space I'm <laughs> feeling like really and then I texted my friend um from high school the one who formed the first GSA and she was just like oh my god that's amazing to you know hear that we've come along since then that is cool yeah why don't you just say what the day of silence is just oh sure just in case <laughs> um it is a day i believe it's in april i can't remember the exact date but it is um a day where people choose to not communicate verbally in order to um reflect on like the silence imposed onto the lgbtq community yeah a lot of teachers didn't understand why we were doing it either mm. like a couple teachers were supportive but others were just like you know, rolling in their eyes at us and being like, whatever. Although, because a lot of the kids were doing it to be silly, I kind of understand. I don't know. Did you have any out teachers at your school? Um, there were teachers that everybody knew about, but they weren't, like, officially out. Yeah. 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 That's the same at my high school. There was definitely, there was one in particular that everyone knew, but he was extremely quiet about mm -hmm. that and, like, would never even when people would press him on it, would never admit. Mm -hmm. And then I suspect that this other teacher, who's actually my advisor at one point also, but like, again, not a topic that you would bring up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So thank goodness we can actually have conversation about that now. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, there has to be a starting point. So this is definitely an issue book, but it's kind of like, do you need, issue books to sort of bust the door open and then there can be room for like oh there just happens to be an ace character right but then first people need to know like what is asexuality what is this and have you know i don't know kind of like there has to be like a will and grace before we can mm. have just gay characters who don't have to feed into stereotypes or 
go above and beyond with the like I'm gay everybody you know kind of thing and I feel like it's the same like when I read about like you know historically like black actors taking roles as like slaves or you know house workers or you know whatever this and that it's like yeah it's demeaning but like we got to start somewhere and then now there can just be you know black characters who do all kinds of things so i feel like this is a good like starting point book because i've never seen a book with a main character who's asexual before right before this one i'm maybe there are but i was just like oh wow an ace character like that's the first in my a from what i know right and yeah and i think what i what else I noticed from the reading list that I looked up is that it's also just it's might be the first that's fi- just fiction. Okay, yeah. And like romantic fiction. Yeah. And not specifically sci-fi or fantasy yes, or some yeah, other Yeah, realistic realm. fiction. Yeah, yeah, realistic fiction about romance. Like it's a swoon books. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I feel like um If I Was Your Girl is mm. another one of those like issue books, but like you know, because it's one of the first to talk about or have a trans main character. So it kind of has to go through. I mean, not that it wasn't a great book, but it kind of has to be an issue book and go through the motions of like explanation. Yeah. Before there can just be a character who happens to be trans just because they're trans. Right. Yeah. Um, this is also an own voices book. So yes. That's yeah. important to note, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, you want to talk any more about that? Uh, I think we're okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dessert is chocolate milkshake with marshmallows. That sounds delicious. Sounds so good. Make it a malt, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bring up um the politics of family support. Oof. So in this book, there's a lot of like difficulty between Alice and her family, specifically around the fact that she hasn't yet come out as not wanting to go to <laughs> law school. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> so. She's having, like, an, a conversation with her brother and her sister and her mom and her dad in all these different ways about negotiating basically with her parents, specifically with her mother, about not wanting to go to law school. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was interesting. How did you think about the family? Um, she didn't <coughs> have a career in mind, right? She just knew she didn't want to be a lawyer. At the end, she ends up wanting to do interior design. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think family pressure is something that a lot of people can relate to, like career wise. A lot of, a lot of times it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of like, we don't want you to struggle like we had to kind of thing. Um, but I think if, I mean, it's okay to not know what you want to do, but like for parents like that, I think if you approach them having a plan, having another plan, you can be like, okay, thank you, but here's what I want to do, X, Y, and Z, like, laid out. Not like, thanks, I'll figure it out, you know, because, like, that doesn't reassure them. And, like, it's not that, I don't know, it's complicated, because it's not like, it's your life, you know, but I feel like most of the time, or at least a lot of the time, it's coming from a place of, like, we just want you to be secure, Right. And it's hard, especially when there's money attached to it. Yeah. Like in this case. Yes. You know, they're very clear, like, you're not going to get money from us for grad school if you don't do what we want you to do for grad school. Yeah. 
And oh my God, let's. It sucks. Let's be real about fucking law school, okay? <laughs> so my family is a family of lawyers. My mother, to this day, I am 36 years old. My mother, to this day, keeps telling me that I should just go to law school. I have other people what? telling me <laughs> that I should just go to law school. And, and clearly, I think at this point, People who know me should know I'm not no. going to go to law school. 75% of the people that I know who went to law school are actively not lawyers right now. Right? <laughs> There's not a lot of jobs in it. It doesn't pay well. There's a lot of graduates who are not working in that field. So it is not a guaranteed win. Right. And it's really expensive. Yeah. Really, like, bad for your mental health. Mm. My dad always says it was the worst time of his life. Yeah. So I, I and I th- and I think part of this is acknowledging that the previous generation of parents were able to afford grad school in a way that yes, okay, our generation <laughs> cannot, and it's only becoming less affordable. So yes. forcing people to go into such severe debt for a degree that's not even going to make you money to pay off the debt is yes. offensive to me. <laughs> yeah, and I. Feel like a lot of boomers don't get that. I saw a really funny tweet from um Catherine M. Valente. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's she so wrote, good on uh, Twitter. <laughs> the girl who circumnavigated yes. Fairyland in a ship of her own making or whatever. Um she And Space Opera and a number of other amazing books. Yeah, she tweeted um that she was somewhere like at the DMV or somewhere random and oh no, she was at the doctor. And in the waiting room, and this, um, I don't know, if kid she and her mom or something, or someone oh. was breastfeeding, and then this old woman said something about how the government should take breast milk from like women and give it to the elderly or something. Whoa, I missed that. <laughs> and one. And she said, like, okay, boomers, like, slow your roll or something like that in the tweet, and then like. A lot of like millennials were like, that's really fucked up and scary and weird. And then some boomers were like, oh, okay, so you just want to stereotype all baby boomers and blah, blah, blah. And she wrote something back like, you know, literally every other article is like about what millennials are killing. So just let us have like this one joke (laughs) (laughs) about you. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it's wild. I saw I saw something on Twitter that was how how Gen X is being left out of it. Mm. It's like everything everything's like millennials and boomers. Are millennials <laughs> and Gen X like stuck in the middle trying to figure <laughs> its shit out, you know, with yeah. both the like with both kind of like both bad ends of the stick, you know. Yeah. Oh, I want to see if I can find the tweet. It was really <laughs> funny. Um what I thought was interesting about the family politics and she's like the baby in the family. Uh it was and something that I totally relate to is like the different family members getting other family members to apply pressure. Yeah. You know, like the parents aren't getting through, so they get the sister to apply pressure or they get mm. the brother to apply pressure or she doesn't feel comfortable going directly to the parents. So she cir- she goes around and talks yeah. to the brother first and then goes to the parents. It's like even though they're the people who we share the majority of our lives and time with. We still have these <laughs> elaborate systems. Family politics, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Figuring out how to talk, just talk to each other. Yeah. Um, here we go. Old lady at doctor's office asked if I was nursing, then told me the government should take excess milk from young mothers and give it to old people as it's full of immune boosters. 
boomers already took the best of the world for millennials. Can you not literally suckle at my teat? Oh my god, <laughs> amazing! She's oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what crazy person thinks that's okay to say to somebody? Yeah, and like the fact that she said the government should take it, like that's even ooh, creepier. Ooh. Government's already putting hands on way too many people. Okay. <laughs> and like there's already programs where um like mothers who have excess milk can donate it to like to newborns who don't have it or whatever. But like really? I don't know. That's that's so creepy. Kind of weird. That's like that's like Nancy Farmer Scorpion King raising your clone <laughs> to use their body for your brain when your old body dies like that's it's on that spectrum you know yeah not okay yeah <laughs> how long are you planning to live like this world's gonna die before you get that old yeah <laughs> sorry that was really dark but <laughs> climate uh, change is real <laughs> yes yes it is and breast milk is not going to save us from it. <laughs> <sighs> Do you want to talk about family politics or you can move on if you... Um, so I watched Station 19, which is What's a that? spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Um, so Miranda Bailey, she's one of the doctors at uh, the hospital in Grey's Anatomy. Her husband was a doctor, but then decided he wanted to be a firefighter. So it's like a spinoff show with like the fire station. <laughs> Um, and one of the characters... I did not know that was a thing. It's a good show. It's really good. Um, also, like, my Hamilton obsession, the actor who played James Madison and Hercules Mulligan is on Station 19. Oh, And nice. I knew him from Station 19 before I saw Hamilton and, like, listened to the soundtrack. And now I just, like, love him even more. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Aww. so his character, Dean, has, <coughs> like, these really strict parents who like don't want him to be a firefighter and cut him off like when he decided that that's what he wanted to do with his life and so his roommate like tries to make the peace by like inviting them over for dinner and it's just really awkward and his little sister like uses that time to announce that she's gonna move out and so the parents threaten to cut her off too and so the big brother in an effort to like you know because they at least like supported him when he moved out at first until he like got on his feet or whatever so in an effort to like make a deal with the mom and have them at least offer the same support that they offered her, he agrees to go out on dates with people that his mom chose. And they're oh no. all like people who are like daughters of friends of the mom. And oh they're no. all super like, oh, it's cute that you're a firefighter. But what do you like really want to do? Or like you're going to have to settle down at some point and pick like a more stable job. Blah, blah, blah. And I just I thought of that when I saw your notes about like the family support because I just caught up and just watched that episode and I was just like oh it's like poor Dean okay and let's be real here firefighters are an extremely needed oh yes part of our community they are essential emergency workers they're often first on the scene for a lot of different things they are they're going to be even more important as climate change oh, yes. <laughs> comes <laughs> you know California is using prison labor mm-hmm. as firefighters and like not paying them, and then the other fucked up part of this is that once they're out of prison, they can't they do, actually they can't be apply. firefighters, yeah, which is terrible. Yeah, that is really messed up. They're and like probably ugh. the most qualified, and then they can't get that job. And I've read so many like things in defense of this system, and it's like, oh well, it's all volunteer, blah blah blah. And it's like, is it really volunteer if it's like you can get X amount of time off your sentence if you do this? 
that's coercion. That's not no voluntary. It's and it's labor. really fucked that it's they can't. It's a work can't. camp. Yeah. And they're getting pennies a day. Yes. Like cents for yeah. an hour. Yeah. It I mean, prison labor is like legally the last like, you know, legal form of slavery. It's in the Constitution. Ugh. Yeah. But yeah. But anyway, the, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because like it's also a good job. There's good benefits. You have a union. You have like good people working in that place those are people who are like decent humans if you're spending your entire life saving others <laughs> you're a pretty decent human you know like yeah i i don't know if it's has the same sort of systemic institutional racism as like the police do i assume there's probably more systemic sexism there but like mm. that's another thing the main character is a woman um so it's like yeah it talks about that a oh, lot that's awesome. it's a good show. but um like in San Francisco, they just appointed the first openly uh, gay, she's lesbian, fire chief mm -hmm. in, in, um, for San Francisco. And the person before her was also a woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it's not it's it's probably like more integrated than we think about other institutions. And I just like I don't know why you wouldn't want someone to do that. How is that like not a good job? I know. That's crazy to me. So, yeah, I mean, I. At first, I was, like, giving parents the benefit of the doubt, but, like, thinking about it a little bit more, it's it's another thing where it's, like, well, this is what I want for you and not, It's bothering know, me. It's bothering me that yeah. you don't have a career that I approve of or whatever. That's, that's like, it amazing. may be coming from <laughs> a good place, but that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I just don't think it's okay to force your children to live out a life that they don't want to live. Yeah. That's just... Once they're adults, they get to decide what they want. Yeah. You get to decide if you want to support them or right, not. Right, exactly. But you can't, it's not okay to like coerce and force them yeah. into those things. Yeah. Even though I know my mom means it out of love, I just, <laughs> <laughs> she tells me one more time <laughs> I'm to explode. Um, okay. Oh, and well, I did want to say, oh, the other weird part about it is like her family's rich. Like, so then there's that piece. It's it's not as if they couldn't support her through some other career, you know. Um, but that said, like money and family, money is the thing people most fight about in families and in mm -hmm. intimate relationships. And I know in my family, it's still a thing that we like kind of don't all talk about, about mm. who's getting what money from whom, you mm -hmm. know, like it's, I don't know. Secrets are toxic. <laughs> so I'm... I'm pro like exposing it and putting it all out in the open, but I've also been accused of TMI on more than one occasion. So I don't know. It's like, it's a balance. You have to manage your own family politics. Yeah. Yeah. Like my dad um, paid for me and my brother's schooling growing up, but would like hold it over our heads and be like, okay, well, ha ha ha, you owe me. Like in a jokey, like not jokey way or like, yeah. Like, he wanted me to go to a UC school because it was cheaper. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, um, how about where I want to go? <laughs> right. You know. Now that I wonder about this, like, my dad paid, my dad, thank the Lord or the universe or Mary Magdalene, whoever's looking <laughs> after me, um, he paid for both my sister and I to go through school mm -hmm. at the same time, mm -hmm. went into debt so that we both could get this liberal arts education. Yeah, my dad didn't go into debt for it. He was just... 
Yeah. Love to lord it over uh. us. No, he never <laughs> lorded it. He like he was always like, "This is what I told." He specifically wanted to do that so that we wouldn't be in debt because he felt coming out of school, he was in so much debt. It mm. it kept him from doing what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. and he did not want that for us. So right. It was intentionality there, but. He also would complain to me about how much more expensive my sister's school was than mine. It was like $20,000, more than mine, a year. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a big chunk of money, but I don't know if he ever brought that up to her now that I think about that. Mm. (laughs) Right? Okay. The passive aggressiveness in families, man. But, yeah, no, like, my dad's probably probably the type of person that, like, would say that he was babysitting his kids. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, <laughs> so. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, it's called parenting. Right. <laughs> when it's your own children, but okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought that, that that was probably like the most realistic depiction for me. Just like how that kind of wasn't fully resolved, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that it was like twisted. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I feel like it's something a lot of people can probably relate to. Definitely. Yeah. Our last item is drinks, which I have here a coffee shop latte question mark. She gets like a free drink at the coffee shop in the, okay. in the beginning of the book. And I can't remember if it's like a latte or, or a cappuccino. Ah, well. <laughs> to the resource. <laughs> um, But I, we already mentioned this, but it's like it's an own voices book mm-hmm. and then the other thing is and Britt, i don't know if you saw this at the end of the book but she discusses how it was like a blog post first or like a it wasn't a book first it was like something she'd thrown up on a website somewhere and then i can't remember if if people like told her she should then shop it around or how that worked but it was like something she she has a day job like she works, uh, Claire Kahn works for a nonprofit um, in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. And so this is like her side gig, you know, the thing that she like dreams about, which I love. Um, let me go back to the author's note. I don't remember. I read this a while ago. <coughs> um, or am I making that up? Call me out if I'm making that up. It doesn't say. Wait. There's an about the author. Oh, here, author's note. Um, or the acknowledgement committee. Yeah, maybe. <coughs> we'll have to check that out. But yeah, I just lo- I love the idea that she's like somewhere in the Bay Area, like work probably working very hard, and then also just like writing these stories that she's in love with on the side. It's just makes me happy. I don't see anything about it being a blog post, but... I don't think it was blog or maybe... I mean, one of the other... She writes on... It's not Weebly, but it's something... Oh, okay. She posts... She writes and posts on... Like, not... That are not, like, published officially as books. Okay. Because she clearly just, like, enjoys writing. Yeah. Yeah. Swoon Reads? No. Swoon Reads is the publisher. Oh, okay. No. Um, we can fact check it. Yeah, I mean, she was saying she was like writing manuscripts, but I don't see if it says where they were. Okay, I might have somewhere totally else. made that up. Yeah, or I could be just overlooking it. Yeah. But, yeah. How did you feel about, I mean, 
I'm an advocate for own voices. Yeah, totally. Um, I have seen there was some article. Did you see that weird article that came out about? Oh no, she says Wattpad. She says Wattpad. Tumblr, yes, Wattpad. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says Tumblr Ace community Wattpad readers, sensitivity readers. You help shape this book. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, so I think she was like putting it up on, on Wattpad. her yeah. social media. I don't know what Wattpad is. Wattpad is um, it's a website where it's like for writers, aspiring writers, where you can um, write short stories or write like chapters of books at oh, a time cool. and like get feedback um, from people. And then sometimes like big name authors publish like snippets or um, extra things and stuff on their websites. But it's also like sort of a lot of aspiring writers use it. It's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. that it was like. Clearly, you know, like she was doing this and like people were seeing parts of it and then they were advocating for Mm -hmm. her to like be able to turn it into a book, which I love. Yeah. And you can like follow authors and get like updates when their stories are up and stuff. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Beth Revis is on Wattpad. She wrote the Across the Universe trilogy and um, uh, the book about mental illness that has all the strings on the cover with different colors. Oh, why am I? I don't know that one. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, it's a cool little series. Cool. I don't have anything else to say about it. Do you want to um say anything in closing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> the name of this book, <laughs> uh, A World Without You. Mm. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, but it's a, it's a start. You know, it's clearly <laughs> a first novel. Yeah. She has a second one coming out, um, which actually looked like more intriguing to me. This isn't something I would have picked up on my own. But as we all know, f- just straight fiction contemporary is not fiction. My thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not really mine. But I was like intrigued when I was like, oh, an ace main character. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And a black ace main character. Hmm. Um, you know, visibility and representation matter. Um, but I like her writing style. I thought like the dialogue and the like. Um, just it was funny and witty. So. It was funny. Yeah, so I'll I'll read another book by her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll have to fig- I'll have to see if I like can fit it into my busy reading schedule. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that, but yeah, I was. It was not my favorite. But yeah, I totally love it for what it is, and I see that it's like clearly galvanizing a community, and mm-hmm. I love that about it. Yeah, awesome, cool. Well, thank you for listening. Amanda's not with us. Are we going to sign off with Book Appetit? Book Appetit. Nice. I don't know. No. Okay. You did a good job. (laughs) You're in charge now. Okay. (laughs)